What is up, everyone? Welcome to It's Called Soccer. I'm your host, Jake, joined by Tom. He's in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm in Philadelphia suburbs. We're going to talk today about the U.S. Men's National Team. It's only a few weeks out before the World Cup starts. 9th of November is when the full World Cup roster gets released. So we're going to talk through today some of the updates from the U.S. Men's National Team abroad, some of the players that are in MLS but have been knocked out of the playoffs and have been invited to camp with Greg to stay sharp. And we have a few injuries to discuss, some in key places. So we'll absolutely be talking about who is the best to replace those players, someone like Weston McKinney, Luca De La Torre, now hearing that Josh Sargent was held out for precautionary reasons. So let's get started, Tom. Before we go, how are you, man? What's new? Doing great. Uh, survived a couple weeks of tests. Got one more coming up. It's been a fun couple weeks, though. Um, lots of great football games. Got to go to for my first Penn State whiteout, first Penn State Ohio State game this weekend. Uh, and got to spend the whole weekend dressed up as Ted Lasso, going to Halloween parties, which was really fun. That's why I'm rocking the really weird mustache today. Um, if you want to see pictures of that, they're on Twitter. I think they're also on the It's Card so- Called Soccer Discord. Uh, if you want to check that out. But how's life, Jake? I haven't talked to you in a few weeks. Yeah, well, getting settled into my new house, expecting mm-hmm. a child in February, and uh, my day job is picking up steam. So it's been a busy few weeks, and I'm doing my best to stay attached to the U.S. Men's National Team, keep track of everything. There's a lot going on, and that's why we're here. If you're listening, you might be in the same boat as me. Thankfully, you have two well-informed people to talk through, hopefully, to talk through what is going on in the USMNT landscape. All right, so let's get started. Just a weekend roundup. I think the biggest news is obviously going to be Leeds United beating Liverpool. Not necessarily much to do about Jesse Marsh on this podcast because he is not necessarily attached to the US men's national team. But we saw how important Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson were to a Premier League club getting a huge result at Anfield against Liverpool. I feel like Brendan Aronson is starting to rise up some of the ranks of my personal depth chart. And just thinking about the time that he might need to spend on the field to impact the U.S. men's national team at the World Cup, maybe he deserves a bit more time over Christian Pulisic or Timothy Weah. But I think Pulisic has done enough to cement his place as like the key player. I just kind of want to ask you, Tom, about your opinion, because Man, Brendan Aronson is like starting to be almost a Kevin De Bruyne type. Some of the moves that he was making, the dribbles, the passes, they were just so on point that we don't really have anyone like that on the U.S. men's national team right now. What have you seen from Brendan Aronson? Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, and obviously the best sport in the world, soccer. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. I really like what I'm seeing from Brandon Aronson. He's been playing very well, but I do worry a little bit about him in the national team context in that 
he seems to be the perfect system fit to do exactly what Jesse Marsh is asking of him to do. But when he's brought into the U.S. men's national team setup, I'm not sure that role translates as well as it could for some other systems. It doesn't seem to work very well for Burhalter. He gets knocked off the ball very easily. He doesn't seem to know what to do with the ball when he gets it. I, I just, I would like to see better form for him for the national team before I'm willing to anoint him as the guy. When you have guys like Timothy Weah, who have been so dangerous for us, who are so good at stretching the field, getting in those low crosses, playing balls to play people like Pulisic. And then Pulisic, who is going to be the guy, whether we like it or not, at this World Cup. This is his team. He is the star player. That is, I think, a foregone conclusion for us. I, I, I like Brendan Aronson. I think he's a great player. But I do have concerns about his physicality and his translation to Greg's system away from Marsh Ball. So you're kind of putting a barrier a little bit between the, the national team form and the club form. Yeah, I, I I think that it's important to sort of cons- to you know consider the club form, obviously. But we've seen before that Red Bulls style Marsh Ball is not necessarily an easy system to translate your form from from to other systems. So I don't really know if that specific system can be taken in a vacuum. Yeah, I mean, what I do like about Brendan Aronson is that he runs a lot, and that mm-hmm. can almost like brute force your way through any type of talent or anything that maybe we're looking for, but that's always a great weapon as well to come off the bench. So we'll see what happens when Greg gets everyone to uh, facilitate some practices before the world cup and start to evaluate what it's going to look like against Wales, England, and Iran. But I mean, it's great to start having these conversations now that there's maybe like someone like Brendan Aronson, who's starting to rise up in the depth charts of just based on his club form. I mean, Talking about club form and at the same club, Tyler Adams was instrumental in Leeds's win against Liverpool. He was the highest rated player among Brendan Aronson and Melier, the goalkeeper for Leeds. I feel like Tyler Adams is playing the role as, as much as possible in both teams, the national team and in Leeds, where if he's out of the if he's out with an injury or if he's off the pitch. Both teams really struggle to control the game, win the ball back. The midfield falls apart. So Tyler Adams, to me, is one of the, probably the key player for the U.S. to have healthy in form. Uh, he's he's had a knock for the last few weeks. He was held out of last week's Leeds match. So, Tom, what are you thinking with Tyler Adams coming into this very important stretch right before the World Cup? I am hoping he can stay healthy. That's like my big concern right now. I'm getting to the point where anytime I hear the words U.S. player and substitution or injury, like I'm, my heart starts racing a little bit. We don't have that much time anymore. And seeing him get held out was not comfortable. I'm glad he got back this weekend and got some minutes and got important minutes. He does seem to be playing that same role for both clubs. So hopefully that ends up translating well. Like I said, Marshball doesn't necessarily translate but we've seen Adams be such an integral part to the team before that I really hope that it continues to translate and he continues to play well yeah absolutely I mean Tyler Adams tackling ability whether it's Marsh ball or Burhalter ball or any other type of ball I'm a true believer in Tyler Adams and, and his skill set uh, staying in the prem Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson again partnered on that left side of Fulham for another shutout another clean sheet for Fulham They are in the top half of the table above some really good teams. And it doesn't look like this Fulham team is slowing down anytime soon. 
We know Anthony Robinson is going to be the starting left back if he's available and healthy for the U.S. men's national team. But I have to ask, because Tim Ream was not a part of this last camp, is Tim Ream going to make this World Cup roster? He, he is making a charge, if anybody. How does he not? Like, that's, that's the only thing you can say. How does he not make this roster? I, I, he's playing so well. He is anchoring a Premier League team. He is the captain. He's becoming a literal... If they stay up this year, like he's going to become a club legend. They're going to name part name like the stadium after him or something like that or name a like there's a brian mcbride restaurant at uh craven cottage right so like he's gonna get some sort of like brian mcbride-esque treatment from that club at the end of this run if he continues what he's doing because he is the guy right now anchoring that whole fulham defense how do you not bring a center back who is playing like that in the best league in the world i can't get he's slow i get he is older but kind of need veterans and tim ream is (laughs) Tim Ream has been one of the most consistent players in the Burhalter era up until the last year. If there was ever a guy who's been banished who deserves to come back, it's him. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if he's been banished in the same way that someone like John Brooks has been banished. I feel like maybe he was banished in the sense that his team doesn't play a high line. And Burhalter says that we can actually understand that because Fulham doesn't. But at mm. the same time, like, is he slow? Like, is he, does he have those deficiencies or did he have one play in the Nations League where he didn't do well one-on-one with an attacker and they scored and that was the end of it for most USMNT fans? So I have been doing a project where I go back and look at every single cap, every single call-up, every single minute played by US players up through the 2021 Nations League final. And I was amazed at how many minutes Reem had played how many starts he'd had, how many times he'd been the captain of the team. But then I went back and looked at some of the Twitter conversations from that time. He was not popular. Uh, Despite playing all those minutes, despite being an anchor on that back line, we were playing him at sort of left center back, a stay-at-home left back type of thing in a back three system. And the knock was always, he's so slow. He's so slow. We're not able to play through him. He He keeps getting caught in transition. Why are we doing this? Ream needs to be dropped. There's a very long thread dating all the way back to the beginning of the Burhalter era where that the speed argument plays in and Reem was not super popular. Um, the conversation has sort of ebbed and flowed multiple times and we're sort of back on the positive Tim Reem train. We we're kind of there right before the Nations League final two and then we sort of fell again. But the argument of U.S. men's national team fans against him has always had to do with his speed and somewhat positioning because him as a left back was never a great idea. Yeah. I mean, if you tell me, though, that we're going to play a high line against Raheem Sterling and, I don't know, Kyle Walker, Harry Kane, like, that seems a little suicidal from a coaching and tactics perspective. And to have a player like Tim Ream, who plays in the same division as all of those players, week in and week out, is getting clean sheets as one of the best defenders right now in the Prem. I agree with you. How can he not at least get the chance to prove himself and get this call up for the World Cup. If anyone deserves it, it's him. Uh, he's been with the team since Burhalter took on the, the coaching status. People like, you know, uh, all, all these players that have fallen off Greg's list. Tim Ream has been the constant, whether it's John Brooks, whether it's Jackson Ewell, whether it's Sebastian Lejet. Through all of that, Tim Ream has continued to say, except for about the last six to nine months 
when he's been performing. Uh, one other thing I'll add is I did do a, a tour at Craven Cottage before I left England. And I had asked about Tim Reed in the, in the same bucket as Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey. And the guy who had been a fan for his entire life, he had been a tour guide for 20 plus years at Craven Cottage, essentially said, Tim Ream is already a legend at Fulham. He doesn't need to do anything else to be in the same status as those other two players. So I agree with you. If he if he keeps them up, if he captains them to safety this season, which they are in a really good spot right now, that, that can only be good things for Tim Ream's legacy. Interestingly enough, another player that came through the Red Bull system played alongside Matt Miazga, got sold abroad. Uh, Aaron Long was there as well after them. So that Red Bull center defense is uh, coming up big for our core for the U.S. men's national team. I want to stay in England because talking about center backs, Austin Trusty at Birmingham City scored a worldie <laughs> this week. And that's not even his best game in over the last 10 matches, 15 matches. He has had one of the best, if not the best seasons as a center back in the championship in England. Does he have a chance? Is he starting to storm up the depth charts? I would hope he is. Um, it might be too little too late for him. I think that's sort of been the knock against him is that this sort of miraculous run of form comes after almost every single U.S. men's national team camp. He doesn't really get a chance to get integrated with the squad. Reem is kind of a different story in that he has been integrated with the squad so many different times that I feel a lot better plugging him in than someone like Austin Trusty, who's very young. And last time he was with the squad, he was a very different player. Uh, but you can't ignore the fact that he's, what, one of the best center backs in the championship right now, right? It has to be. Easily, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I I have been really enjoying watching him play. That goal he scored this weekend was actually phenomenal. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I hope that Greg has got him on the radar. He might be in the Brandon Vasquez camp, though. Um, I think that Trusty, for me at least, serves, though, as a reminder that I am not a scout. And uh, clearly uh, do miss things a lot in players as we're evaluating them and say MLS, because Trusty was never special to me at least at Colorado Rapids. He never jumped off the depth chart or the game to tape as someone who was championship quality center back. And when he got sold to Arsenal, I think a lot of us were really confused, but he kind of has an argument now that he might get picked up by a Premier League team next year. The, uh, I've, I've seen a tweet that essentially said Austin Trusty is going to save Arsenal tens of millions of pounds <laughs> because if he's ready and he goes to Arsenal, he can he can back up Willie Saliba. He can play in cup matches for Arsenal mm. if he keeps this warm up. So mm. Austin Trusty, keep doing what you're doing. Keep putting the work in. Maybe you'll be called up for the World Cup. We'll see. Um, we mentioned Josh Sargent. He was held out from a precaution at Norwich City. Although I have to shout out my guy, Jonathan Tompkinson, gets his first start in the championship, a 21-year-old uh, American that captained their, uh, their U21 team last season, <laughs> um, their second division team. So JT, congrats on that first start. He did well, but definitely a little too little too late to be considered for the World Cup there. We do have another American to watch in the championship. Uh, Weston McKinney played for Juventus, but like you said, Tom, he's going to be out for the next 15 days. Is he going to be back in time? He's always come back really, really quickly from these injuries. So what are your thoughts there? I don't know. I, you know, you always worry when you see something about your quad being injured, especially in soccer these days, but 
if anyone can do it, it's Weston McKinney, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he has always astounded me. I'm no longer surprised when the injury is supposed to be six months long and he comes back in two months and he's perfectly fine. So broken angle, ankle, broken clavicle, whatever. Doesn't matter to Weston McKinney. He heals at extraordinary speeds. Yeah, someone was saying that he should, he should now go to the MLS camp and start training with them now that he's hurt. But I kind of want to see him stay with the Juve team who have been working miracles with him for so long and just keep, you know, grinding away and make sure he's healthy. I think he'll. I think it would be very hard to keep Wes McKenney off the plane. True. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, if he's, he would be one of those players where if there's a chance he can give minutes in maybe the second or third group stage matches, you take him. Yeah. And and to me, that's like Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams. Mm-hmm. Anyone else, it might not be worth it to to bring them along. But for those three, I, I, you can make an argument for four and five. But yeah, Weston McKinney, if he can play any minutes in any of the three group stage matches, you're taking him with you. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I would... I would be shocked if he doesn't end up on this roster, even if he's dealing with some sort of issue, because he is that type of player. There is no replacement for him in the pool. I, I, you have to have him with you if you have any chance of being able to use him. Yeah, hopefully. I, I kind of I'm glad it happened now and not next week. So we do have a chance yeah. for him to heal. He's not going to play another match for Juventus before the World Cup. That kind of removes a worry from us a little bit, even though mm-hmm. it adds a slight one. But we don't have to worry about anything bad happening over the next two weeks to at least him. True, true. Well, I do want to talk about some of the the pieces that we have that are injured right now where we need to be thinking about who's that second and third in line. But just to wrap up, uh, Yunus Musa is back healthy and has been playing the last few matches for Valencia. Luca De La Torre is going to be one of those players that we talk about. Looks to be that he is going to be out for three weeks. So that is right on the cusp of when we need him for the World Cup. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But I do just want to mention... Also in the Bundesliga, Kevin Paredes gets his first start for Wolfsburg. Uh, doesn't have the best time, but it's great to see him on the pitch. And finally, an Ameri- a young American starts to get time at Wolfsburg. He got hurt, too. Got hurt. So <laughs> what is with us? What, what is with these American bones? Um, also, this morning, Jordan Pifak and Joe Scali started against each other as Union, Ber- Union Berlin uh, stays on top of the table in the Bundesliga at 26 points, a point ahead of Bayern Munich with their win over Borussia Mönchengladbach. To me, both of those players deserve to be in the World Cup, but maybe that's a question for next week when we get a little bit closer. But Tom, let's now talk a little bit about some of those players that are injured. I want to talk a little bit about the eight right now, which is that center midfielder position. Luca De La Torre was kind of seen as that backup to the Weston McKinney, Eunice Mooses of the world. Where do we go from here if he's not ready to go? Because from Weston McKinney and Eunice Musa, there's a drop-off to Luca De La Torre. And then Luca De La Torre to, I don't even know, know who's after him. There's another huge drop-off. Yeah, I mean, you could call back in a player like Sebastian Legette if you were desperate. Do you go to Christian Roldan? Uh, none of those names are going to spark joy or incite, excitement in me coming into the World Cup. Um, you could go to I guess you could go to uh, um, Portugal and go to Alex Mendez, who's been playing in the center midfield there. You could try and rotate Brendan Aronson or Gio Reyna back down. Um, there are some interesting names in Serie B with Venezia in a 
relegation candidate Venezia in Serie B. Uh, Busio and Tessman are both there. Um, beyond that, the cupboard's pretty bare in Europe as far as eights go. Um, do you go back to MLS? Do you try and call up someone like a Keaton Parks or a Paxton Pomacall or an Eric Williamson who played really well at the Gold Cup but then had an ACL injury for nine months and hasn't appeared for the U.S. since then? Yeah, I mean, if, if I were to go to MLS, it would be Williamson or Keaton Parks, and you kind of have to hope then that NYCFC gets knocked out so that he can get to camp as quickly as possible. I think early on in the MLS playoffs, it was this weird conundrum of you don't want to be knocked out because you still want to play competitive games. And now that you're so close and there's going to be an extra two or three weeks with Greg, like if you're a national team player, it might be better to get knocked out in these semifinals and then go to that camp. Uh, But yeah, Keen Parks for me could play there. Um, Busio, maybe like Serie B, that Venezia team is not very good, but at the same time, we don't, I mean, at this point, I'm thinking that Yunus Musa plays that second eight, or, or mm-hmm. plays the first eight next to Tyler Adams in a double double pivot in the midfield. And then we mm-hmm. play someone like Malik Tillman. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not calling in Georgi Mihalovic. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Uh, he could play at the number 10 or as an mm-hmm. attacking eight. I think Brendan Aronson is another option as well. Gio Reyna, you could, maybe. You could throw Callum Acosta there. Yeah. Another name. Johnny Cardoso <laughs> got minutes recently in this position. The Sonora brothers exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean alan senora is doing his thing at independiente in argentina but again like not that to those players it's not even too little too late it's just they've never even been <laughs> with the team like yeah if greg takes any type of like benefit from learning the system getting minutes in the system those players are out alex mendez is out richie ledesma mm-hmm. out not mm-hmm. available yeah, if you limit it to prior call-ups, you've got to go very far down the pecking order into some names that would get me blacklisted from USMNT Twitter forever <laughs> if I suggested them. Which would be? I want to hear uh, Jackson Ewell, Will Trapp. They are options. Michael They're Bradley? not good options. Michael Bradley is an option. Not a great option, but they they. if you are looking for players who have minutes in the Burhalter system, your window, your group of eights is not very large. Yeah. Cole Bassett, maybe, but do we go to Cole Bassett, who has not looked great in the Netherlands? <laughs> I'm just going to say one thing that is going to get me blacklisted from Yosemite Twitter, and that is Michael Bradley should have been the continuing line of veteran players along with Tim Ream to this current crop of, of players. I'm just going to say that you don't Ooh, have to agree or say that anything. That is a controversial opinion. <laughs> I, I feel like the end of Michael Bradley's tenure saying the, I forget the line. It was like about lions don't concern themselves with voices of the sheep or something. That was stupid. That was corny (laughs) as hell. But if we just look at his contributions to the U S men's national team, he, Mm -hmm. he will go down as one of the most important players we've ever had at a very important time. And he's still playing for Toronto FC. They're not very good. Michael Bradley (laughs) looks good and bad at different points in any game, but that's another conversation for another time. He could play a role right now. I'm just saying. Oh man. Imagine a Michael Bradley game winning goal at the world cup. Imagine a Michael Bradley, Josie Altador partnership at the 2022 (laughs) Qatar world cup. (laughs) 
That gives me a headache just thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything about Josie Altidore because I don't have the same feelings as I do about uh, Michael Bradley. But Tom, if Josh Sargent has more than a knock and he's not ready to go for the World Cup, is there a big winner in your eyes at the striker position? Got to be Ricardo Pepe. Jesus Ferreira is the subject of way too much conversation right now surrounding the last FC Dallas matches. He did not look great in the playoffs. I think that Jordan Pifok provides a role for the U.S. men's national team. I don't think Berhalter will ever start him. So I think the goal-scoring machine in the Netherlands right now, Ricardo Pepe, who has been on fire since moving to Groningen, is the big winner, who is a fan favorite of Berhalter and looks to be in the form of his life. I He could be in next in line to be the starter at the U.S. 9 position for the World Cup. Yeah. Wow, what if we started that first window with a Pepe savior and then end it with Pepe at the World Cup? That would be a good storyline. I'd be happy to yeah. have any success with the U.S. men's national team. I don't care where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pepe, yeah, probably a winner. I would say just in terms of Greg Berhalter and his roster building, I would assume Jordan Pifak would be a winner from that. Mm-hmm. We know that Brandon Vasquez was not called into the MLS camp, so... He's not really in consideration right now. I think mm-hmm. Jordan Pifak and Ricardo Pepe are the obvious winners here. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom, I want to talk a little bit about this camp, this MLS camp for players that are not in competitive matches anymore. Um, there are some huge players and huge names that are missing, especially when you consider we could have called in 50 plus players as a provisional roster to evaluate before the World Cup. So I'm just going to go through this. This is the USMNT roster currently of MLS players not playing in the playoffs. Uh, the goalkeepers are Gaga Slanina. The defenders are Aaron Long, Shaq Moore, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. And then the midfielder forward position is Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, and Christian Roldan. Two big names that are not there are Georgi Mihalovic and Eric Williamson. I know you had a few other names that you were thinking mm-hmm. should probably be there. So who who's not there? Brandon Vasquez is the first name that comes to mind beyond those two. I think th- those are the three biggest snubs for this camp. Williamson was key at the Gold Cup. He had been reported as to be still in contention even as recently as September. So I'm kind of shocked not to see him get a look here. Um, there's some rumors that Mihailovic is already on his way to Alkmaar in the Netherlands, and he's already starting to train with his team to get ready for being registered in January, which makes sense if he's been told he's not going to make the World Cup. But I still would like to see him get to... Yeah. I don't even think I, that's a rumor. I think his coach at Alkmaar has said <laughs> he's coming and he's training with the team. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get you need the time to sort of get integrated in the squad before you're registered, just so you can get on the field and get minutes immediately. But... At the same time, you got to think that they'd be okay if he was going to be in contention for a World Cup slot with giving him the time in camp. And I think that he's pretty close to the plane, especially with all these injuries at the eight. So I don't really understand why we didn't call him. Yeah. I mean, aside from the eight, is there a position where you feel like we really need to fill spots and, and evaluate as many players as possible? I mean, center back is my next choice for sure, where I just don't feel comfortable with who we've got available right now. Yeah. Um, Aaron Long's not been good. Do we Chris still Richards bring Aaron out Long? Still. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we've talked about Austin Trusty and Tim Ream, but a guy like Matt Miazga has been transformative for FC Cincinnati. He's being he is responsible for them basically dropping their XG against by about a half a goal per game, which is phenomenal since he arrived. Um, they've been great. He he deserves at least a look at this team. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a few MLS center backs that have been playing very well, but I can't. None are coming to mind. There's a few outside backs as well that I would like to see. Um, Dewan Jones has been playing great for New England Revolution. Um, Brooks Lennon had an amazing season with Atlanta United. He's another name that we could definitely yeah. get a look at. I don't understand why, especially with the U23 camp coming up, we didn't expand this to be more U23 oriented and less U20 oriented. Yeah, so we didn't mention, but the USMNT MLS camp is training also with the U20 roster that is being brought on. You mentioned the U23 roster, the camp that's coming up. I also want to ask you, so Matt Turner, I forgot, is another name, a player that uh, was rested or, or held out for a knock midweek in the Europa League for Arsenal. He's kind of my number one for the U.S. men's national team, but if he like if he has a long-standing knock and isn't ready to go, to me, there's not necessarily someone that has the number two on lock. Is that Sean Johnson? Is that Zach Steffen? Is that Ethan Horvath? Is that why Gaga Slanina is in this camp? Who who's the next one after Matt Turner for you? I think it's probably Zach Steffen, but he's had a very really confident awful year. Yeah, very, very confident, confident here. <laughs> um, I'm not really confident in any of them. I'm kind of tempted to go Sean Johnson just because he looked pretty good in June. Um, but Ethan Horvath's been playing pretty well in the championship this year. Um, he's been pretty much a bang average keeper from the numbers, from what it looks like in the championship, which is yeah. not a horrible place to be. So I, I personally think that given everyone healthy, that it's probably going to be Turner, Stefan and Johnson on the plane. Um, but if one of them gets hurt, I think Horvath's probably the next name to sneak in. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, Tom, I have one more question for you, and that is this USMNT core, uh, along with some of the U20s, they lost a game against the Houston Dynamo in an exhibition match. What does this mean? Does it mean everything and that we're going to do horribly at the World Cup? Does it mean nothing? What does it mean? I mean, a group of U20s playing with a group of nine MLS players is not what I would call a team likely to get wins over cohesive MLS squads that don't even have a player in this camp. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not super worried about it. I know that people are sort of latching onto it, but these guys had never played together. I think that it's probably fine. I think people discount how much chemistry actually matters in soccer when Mm -hmm. like this is a sport where the coach has very little control over the game. Once the ball actually gets kicked and mm-hmm. to have a team with chemistry versus one that doesn't, I will take the one with chemistry almost any day, no matter how yeah. how less talented they might be. Uh, yeah. This is also why I think teams like Qatar uh, and Saudi Arabia are maybe teams to watch out for in the World Cup because their national teams are only coming from two or three club teams. So mm-hmm. be able to look out for them. Um, Tom, did we miss anything? I feel like we covered a lot in a very quick 30 minutes. I think that we've pretty much wrapped up everything that's going on right now. Um, another name that's come to mind is being held out with injury right now is Serginho Dest. 
Um, another thing to lock out for, maybe good news for Joe Scally. Beyond that, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered all the big stuff going on around the team right now, unless you want to do a 30-minute deep dive on XG and finishing. Nope. We can save <laughs> that for a, uh, a separate video. But guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Join the Discord as well. I want to give a shout out to Tom for doing a ton of data analysis, data collection on a community roster poll. This is the last one before the World Cup. So the link to the Discord is down below in the description in the top comment. If you want to join the community poll, put your, uh, your picks in for the 11 and the 26. That's how you do it. Um, Tom, what's your last word? My last word, uh, thanks for plugging the poll. I'm really excited about this month's poll. There's some huge shakeups coming down the pipeline. I can't wait to release the results. Um, you'll get those earlier if you join our Patreon and hang out with me in the supporter lounge of the Discord. Um, beyond that, I'm going to shout out my local NISA team, my Chattanooga FC team that I'm rocking all the gear for today. Um, they are playing the, the NISA semifinals tonight. Good luck to those guys. Um, last time they made a com national final they set the uh, the U.S. amateur attendance record at 18,000 attendees. And there's a chance to host another final just a week from today. So good luck to those guys. I really hope to see it done. And proud to support my local team. Amazing. Support <laughs> your local soccer clubs, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next time on It's Called Soccer. It is getting dangerously close <laughs> to the World Cup. So... Make sure you're following along everything USMNT, US Soccer. We'll see you next time. Peace.